All right, welcome to Crossing Broadcast. I'm your host, Kyle Scott, joined as always by Adam Lefko and hey. Russell Joy. What's up, guys? Good morning. Hello, Mr. Man. How are you? Wow, I call my son <laughs> Mr. Man. That makes me feel <laughs> no. awkward. Yeah. Well, now you're my son. Welcome Mr. to the family. Man. I'm really proud of you. That's his nickname. Um, no, <laughs> like a, a beautiful moment shared by all and all of our wonderful listeners who I'm I'm confident are going to go onto iTunes and give us a five star review, especially for Hell that Russ, whole I just house got a, kind of moment. I just got a new son at six oh three in the morning. This is amazing. <laughs> yes. But uh, by the way, the review's doing well. We were up to, I think yesterday, 20, 23 five star reviews. So uh, nice. whether whether it is Russ's entire extended family or uh, actual listeners, we will take it. So keep leaving those. Uh, and guys, no negative. I searched, uh, at least I searched on Saturday. There may have been a few since then. No negative comments. No, no really negative comments that, that were worthy of the show. I did get that one tweet. What did, I, what did they call me? I was a douche or a loser. I was one of those two, a douche or a loser. Maybe a douche loser. I'm not so sure. From the, the, uh, the blank the avatar one, right? with seven followers. Oh, no, no, no. It was the flaming Bernie avatar. That was good. Uh, oh, yeah. Flaming Bernie Sanders flying <laughs> this like a speeding bullet. This guy should provide equal airtime to each and every person on this podcast. <laughs> wow. Wow, that was, was really that was good. Shockingly good. Uh, a qu- quick follow-up from last episode. I, I hadn't read that Marcus Hayes article you had referenced, Adam. But wow, that yeah. was a that was a flaming pile of of dog shit. He basically reduced every Eagles fan to these two beer swilling simpletons on the Parkway who had no idea who Derek Barnett was, and he was he was determined to get his line in there about in Philadelphia you don't boo defense like. There could not have been a more surface-level uh, way to analyze the Eagles' first-round draft pick. So. And I'm going to blame that swill for the reason why I was so fired up for Derek Bar- against Derek Barnett. I'm trying to come around. I'm rooting for the guy to everyone telling me that I've been overly negative. I agree I've been overly negative. And now, like a typical Eagles fan, I'm all in on Derek Barnett. I'm rooting for the kid, but I think that Marcus Hayes article is kind of what put me over the top because to be told, don't boo defense, get out of here. Like, well, what does that even mean? I, it didn't make any sense. You are one of the lone, uh, you are one of the lone Rangers in not liking the Barnett pick as far as I could tell, by the way. Oh, I, that's what I was reading all these articles and I think it's, the, I'm telling you, it's the Reggie white stat that people are like, Oh, destiny so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna try and come to the good side but i still have one foot in a negative town oh good uh, all right it's monday so we're gonna we're gonna try doing headlines on mondays sort of recapping quickly the weekend that was uh without going too in depth on any of these but definitely some things to discuss first up flyers out of nowhere this might be the this might be the news of the weekend locally flyers get the second pick in the nhl draft I believe they had an under or six percent chance of landing a top three pick, and only a two point four percent chance of landing the second pick in the draft lottery. Somehow, ping pong ball. Do they even use ping pong balls, Russ? I I I think they do. Uh, <laughs> is it televised? Process, their NH, it is. Their NHL draft okay. lottery process is a very confusing thing. It's not as simple and. And uh, it's like it's not as simple of a formula as what the the NBA does, where everybody goes into this lottery and they just pull the combinations. Apparently, they only do the lottery for three teams. 
And if you happen to be one of those three teams, like they'll they'll pull for third, pull for second, pull for first, and everybody else gets put in inverse order from uh, least wins and then going down. So 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 it, it wow. you know that okay. is different than the NBA lottery where you can have you know a godforsaken Cleveland. Uh, you know, go two or three years with the number one pick where they should only have like a 2% chance of it happening. But yeah, the Flyers, uh, I think it was a 7.2 chance of a top three pick. And then it I was, was I think about, I think it's about 84% chance that they were going to stay at 13. And it was, it was wild because I guess they pulled Winnipeg out of the, uh, the envelope. And then that kind of set off the fact that the Flyers had to jump to the top three. So it's absolutely wild. And what a lucky, fortunate bounce it is for that organization, or I guess if we're going to be Canadian, the organization. Um, it's a two-player draft, right? Two-player draft, yep. Is it really? It is, and it's two centers. Um, one is Nolan Patrick, who played um, in the WH or the WMJHL. Um, it's well him and, and Nico Hishier. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to get slaughtered in the comments for mispronouncing that. He played for Halifax. Uh, oh, I'm wrong. Nolan Patrick played in WHL. Going to get my facts straight. But they're both centers. Um, Nolan Patrick has... Um, Who's he's better? Rather, I don't know. I If you look at stats, this Nico guy from Halifax scored 86 points in 57 games. So I kind of like him because that's... <laughs> really awesome wasn't um, one of them hurt didn't one of them their yeah stock one of them fell one of them had hurt. had a broken collarbone he's had like a bunch of injuries issues since he was uh, 13 and he's 19 now um but here's a, a positive i guess in the whole thing is both of them are one is six one and the other six two they're Gosh. both centers which means obviously that dave hackstall is going to convert them into a right winger on the third line <laughs> so I, that's a lot to look forward to in the upcoming flyer seasons both of these guys are are playing first year right that caliber right yeah, yeah I, I, awesome. well you would you would think in just about any organization they would but, except for dave Haxtell's uh, welcome Philadelphia to philadelphia flyers. Where we right, i think right now we should pick the one that each of us wants of the two put it in stone i'm going nico just because the name sounds cool and he played in halifax which means he's really tough i'm going nico with the second pick in the draft you stole mine. I was going to go Nico solely for the yes. name, solely for the T-shirt possibilities. That's usually my I will, motivation. I know I'll nothing for, about either of them. I've got Nico because I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Goon with uh, Sean yes. William Scott in yes. it, mm-hmm. but he played for Halifax. So this guy <laughs> all right, so we're all the Nico train. Yo, get this Nico thing going, man. I like love it. it. Like it. And by the way, like to me, little sign things are turning around. Eagles have a. Decent draft, maybe, but we haven't gotten Adam's thoughts yet. But Eagles have a, a generally well-received draft. Uh, the event goes off without a hitch in Philly. The Flyers get an unexpected gift. Maybe all we need now is the Sixers to land uh, two in the top five, and, and maybe oh. our fortunes are turning around. Um, well, of course, now we're going to be set up for the Sixers to have an absolutely terrible lottery night. The, the pick swap Bullshit. doesn't convey. The Lakers pick doesn't convey. They fall to number six. The Lakers get the two pick. Freaking Boston still gets Brooklyn's number one. And we go home crying with, like, uh, I don't know, some, I hated some that. schmuck. The Flyers sold their, uh, sold their juju. Um, I hope not. Please don't. The draft itself. Uh, awesome, awesome, rousing success. Um, 250,000 people. I guess were the estimates over three days. Jaws. 
is telling people that there's a reasonable chance it comes back to Philly next year would make all the sense in the world. They had it two years in Chicago. There's no way wherever they have it next year is going to be nearly as, as crazy as this was. It's, I, seriously, I'm not, I don't think I'm saying that as a biased Philly fan. I can't imagine they could pick a spot where you're going to have a, more, uh, a, a better scenic, uh, better scenes. I don't know what the phrase, fuck phrase I'm looking for is. <laughs> it's too early. Um, no, I, fans. I think- yeah, to your point, I've never seen major media guys like Schefter and Trey Wingo and all of these guys tweeting just effusive praise for the city of Philadelphia to the point where I don't know. I it, It's so funny that the draft to me has always been also a black eye because of the whole Donovan McNabb thing that – It's so funny that in 2017, now it's our shining moment. And I really think it's turned. And it's something that I'm going to bring up later when I I know you want to do segments like it's a thing now. I think it's a thing now that Chicago just stole our boo nature. The fact that their quarterback was introduced at their game, Mitchell Trubisky, and was booed at the game. And then we had a draft in which people said that was the greatest draft atmosphere I've ever seen. And Donovan is from Chicago. I think it all came full circle. I don't think we could be known as the team that just mercilessly boos people. In fact, we only boo when appropriate now. The rest of the time, we throw in a hell of a party. I am I am so proud and I know that you guys are too, Uh, and I know that we were a little bit dismissive of this event in the beginning, and we were saying, how could this be good for the city of Philadelphia? And it wasn't about marketing. It wasn't about travel and tourism. It was actually the event that removed that stigma because now I can guarantee you when it comes up on Sunday and Trey Wingo's talking about it and he's going, Philadelphia – Man, they sure threw a good draft party. I believe maybe the tide has turned from the public perception in the national media. And to me, that's a win in itself. That's amazing. I feel like the I said this on Friday, but I feel like the nation has finally come to understand our boo, the tongue in cheek nature of the boo. That whole the whole Drew Pearson WWE style thing with and then you have Brian the Bryans, Dawkins, and Westbrook coming oh. out the next day and being the face. Like that. That felt like a WWE atmosphere, and I think people finally understood that, like, seven times out of ten, our boo is not as this, like, vicious, we-want-to-kill-you boo. It's, it's, like a, it's like a badge of honor. Like, I, there are certain opposing players who come here, they know they're going to get booed, and they, they love it. They thrive in it, and I, I feel like the nation has always just sort of dismissed us as, as these mongrels. And and this is one of those events where they realize, hey, these fans are actually really, really educated. They know what they're talking about. They know the appropriate times to cheer and boo. They know when they can be lighthearted. Uh, I don't think it could have gone any better. And by the way, I loved... Uh, well, actually, we'll say this because I know, Russ, you have a point later, but I love the location shots uh, around the country for, for the third day. I thought that was awesome. Can, can I give credit, and I... And I know that on Sports Talk Radio, there is no way that Anthony Gargano will ever do this. But can we give a little bit of credit to Drew Pearson, the Cowboys, the former Cowboys player, who went up and pulled a straight up Paul Heyman and came (laughs) out and just riled up that crowd. I mean, if we thought that Roger Goodell did a decent job paying homage to the Philly fans by saying, bring it on, this dude 
I don't like him. I don't like the Cowboys. But I loved that moment. That well, was yeah. fantastic. It was and, so well done. And you know that if the draft were in Dallas and a Philly guy had gone up and done that, like we're talking icon status for life. And it was fantastic. The difference between what he did and what Goodell did, you could see that Pearson knew he knew what he was getting into. He was thriving in that moment. Goodell, for as well as he played it off and bring it on Philly, you could just tell how how much he squirms in his pants being in that situation. He can't take it. Even when even when he would bring up Jaws and they were booing him and he's pointing at Jaws, no, you have to cheer. Like he could not understand or and you could just tell how uncomfortable he was in that situation. Like he was crawling out of his own skin. I think Kyle just gave me my fantasy team name. Goodell squirms in his pants. That's a good one, man. You nailed it. No, I think it was a success overall, man. It was so good. Uh, all right, Philly's um, Phil's doing it to us again. I think the end of the weekend at eleven and nine. I I'm not falling for it this year, not yet. I held off longer than usual last year when they went on that little winning streak and cracked five hundred. I was all in. I was like, you know what? Baseball's back. It's been three years. I'm going to watch every game. I'm buying in. I don't even care if they make the playoffs. I don't think they are. I don't care if they're the third wildcard team in the running throughout the summer. We could just watch some competitive baseball, and then you watch them for two weeks in the spring, and they fell off the fucking cliff. This year, I'm not doing it. 11-9 and headed into L.A. They just got swept by the Dodgers and lost the game on Saturday night, late Saturday night, giving up back-to-back-to-back home runs. Hector Neris, um, like, are you guys, are you guys going to even attempt to get into the Phillies? Cause I feel like this is just what's going to happen. I no. think for me, you nailed it. I'm going to, I'm going to wait and see. Cause I think these are the weekends where you go, Oh crap, this is the harsh reality. Uh, so, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still someone that puts the game on in the background and just kind of listens to it. But in terms of emotionally invested sitting down and I'm putting my eyes on it, no, I think I, we still have time. They, they, they've put themselves into such a hole that they're still digging themselves out. Now, I'm not interested in watching digging right now. Yeah, I, I love watching the Phillies in the summer just as something to, to put on the TV in the background is white noise. I guess I prefer that over the sound of, you know, just about any other nonsense in the summer. But, yeah, there, there's no no reason to get excited about the team right now. And, um, you know, hopefully in building for the future, um, it'll it'll be worth it, but I'm I'm holding out hope on a on a decent free agent splash in two years, and and until then, you know, growing pains are going to happen, and and it's something that you just kind of have to bunker in for, and and hope you know by the time they make a big splash that those younger guys are ready to go. So, you know, it's a common common theme in Philly right now. For the game itself, Naris, I think he's given up now runs in four of his last five appearances and multiple hits in those four games. I don't know how you leave him out there after giving up two home runs without getting it out uh, for the third for the third one. Just just brutal, just brutal. Their bullpen is is brutal. Um, uh, finally, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons at the draft. Um, I'm kind of blown away that both of these guys showed up there without security. Adam, you've been around Simmons. You were you had the little cameo. Yeah. How far away do you think his people were when they were marching down the parkway, like uh, and people were following? I didn't him, like, see Mr. them Popper's in a single penguins. shot. Like he usually has like a good crew of four to five people. Two or three of them being Australian. Then he has like a shoe rep that's usually with him. I think the thing that I'm most excited about 
is that Embiid and Simmons are hanging out, and it's it's not a surprise. Um, they're both young guys that are that are cool dudes, and they're coming up. But the the one thing about Embiid that I was always worried about was he is so over with the Philly crowd. He's so popular that I was afraid that his star would eat every other star. And I think that's kind of what happened with Okafor. Is Okafor was the guy for a year. Embiid came in, and then Okafor was like, "Wait, where's my love?" And if Simmons is there and can handle the love and those two can create that relationship together, that is really, really exciting, Uh, especially because I think as you are around Embiid and you see the way he interacts with people, I'm guaranteeing you it was his idea to take the shot with the cops. I'm guaranteeing you. Look, when you watch the video of him walking down and he's fist pumping and dancing, it's just in his nature. And if that rubs off on Simmons, who you've categorized already, Kyle, is having Having already a little bit of shoddy times with the media and kind of, you know, we're already questioning him already. As long as you're over with the fans, that gets me very excited because then these, hopefully, Russ, two top five picks come in and they see Embiid and Simmons. Now you're creating a core group where I don't really care how the media treats them. I just want to know that they want to be here because now I'm thinking four to five years down the line when their contracts are up, if they can keep this core together. And I also think, man, you know all those pictures that always show up where they show Westbrook, Durant, and Harden together and they go, man, what could have been? I think it's pretty good to start building the core and we keep showing those pictures. Wow, guys, look what could have been. Let's stay together. So for me, just the fact that they were hanging out the whole weekend from a from a camaraderie team building standpoint, that gets me very excited. No way yeah, that was Simmons' idea, by the way. No. No. You are right. You are right, though, though, Adam. You definitely want to see uh Simmons have some of this this extrovert um positivity rub off on him. And by the way, I did just run tankathon.com and in it the Sixers get the number two and the number five picks. Hey, so, around. There we go. I mean this is pretty much I, I guess that means it's a guar- it's a guarantee, right? Now yeah, I mean, you did it. Congratulations. You said history. Are right, we got some shit no one cares about, Russ? Uh, can I first lead off? I know that 2008 was a great championship year for the Phillies, but I'd also like to point out that back in 2008, the Philadelphia Soul run won Arena Bowl 22, and actually last year they won Arena Bowl 29. All so, right, that's uh, enough. What, when, what, what else you got? <laughs> um, well, it's now mark mark your calendars. Uh, not since August 27th of last year have the Philadelphia Union won a game. They are now 16 consecutive games going back to last year without a single win. And some people would argue that last or Saturday's result against the LA Galaxy in LA, a draw, which, you know, a tie at 0-0, nil-nil for you football fans out there, um, would be a good result in any other year. It would be, but it's 16 consecutive games without a win. And if you check uh, the Twitter sphere of uh, Philadelphia Union people, there seems to be this very strange... Uh, apologist movement for Philadelphia's own Jim Curtin, the manager of the Philadelphia Union, that says, well, he's a Philly guy. He gets how this works. You can't fire him. Yes, you can. Might I point out maybe the biggest story of last season in international soccer was Leicester City in the Uh. English Premier League. Don't forget, that's where Josh Harris and David Blitzer own Crystal Palace. 
they pulled off 5,001 odds and won the English Premier League last year. All right, hold on, and hold on. We're, we're going rabbit hole. Wait, I'm just uh, saying, they can fired you give their us... manager after that 5,001 odds. I'm just saying. But no, Philly can't fire this guy with no pedigree who hasn't won a game in 16 consecutive games. I'm done. All right, r- real quick. Can you give us the 60-second version of what the hell happened to the Union? Like, I feel like a couple summers ago, you're like, hey, this is a pretty respectable team. This could be fun to watch for a little no. while. And then, like... The, the Union were founded in 2010. They made the playoff. They've made the playoffs twice in their in their history. They actually made it last year. They limped into the playoffs last year. Shows they got beat in the first round by Toronto, who actually spends money on players. You're allowed to have three designated players, which is money's that guys that get big money. And the Union currently have none. They, they've signed two guys that played for the men's national team. Mo, Marisa Du, who I can't stand who actually hasn't played for the team in the better part of a season and a half because of injuries. And Alejandro Bedoya, who was the biggest money signing in franchise history, they brought him in last year. Here's the problem. He's supposed to play in a holding def- uh, a holding defensive <laughs> midfield role. And Jim Curtin, who doesn't know anything, has been playing him in the massive, like, central attacking midfield playmaking position. This Two is things. You take Andre Iguodala and say, hey, Andre, Iverson's gone. You go score us 30 points a game. It happens. Oh, I can't. Two things. I'm now noticing that Russ's biggest issue with Philadelphia teams is when they play people at wrong positions. Flyers <laughs> playing people at wings and soccer with whatever he's talking about. And two, Those fan bases share a, share a brain. Russ so. could have absolutely ma- said Andres Bedoya, and I would have been like, he could have been like, it's uh, <laughs> Nico. Nico's on the union, too. And I'd be like, oh, totally, man. Absolutely. <laughs> he could have made up a name, and I'd be like, that guy's amazing. But Kyle, uh, the reason that I'm so angry is it's been years now that they could have been the team of the summer with yeah. the Phillies being in rebuild mode. And this, and if you it sounds hate, like it's spending if, money, it if sounds you hate like the ownership. Money. It is it is Jay Sugarman uh, who owns the union. That dude last year or two years ago during the U.S. Open Cup, they make a final, they lose. He lands a helicopter on the practice field, which, by the way, their practice fields you never go full Josh Harris parking lots, the closest parking lots to the stadium they converted into grass fields in chester so now the fans have to walk even farther past the wharf building to just get in to see a crappy product where they could have finally seized the market for years they've blown it consistently wait and did I he land his helicopter in front of fans like while people were tailgating that's awesome they landed the helicopter on the practice field that used <laughs> to be a parking lot after losing a u.s open cup game and the fans were absolutely livid. I I may have had some choice words for Jay Sugarman. Even yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he heard you over the the rotors. Uh, you never go full Josh Harris, by the way. Even even Harris would think that is distasteful. You don't do it in front of the fans. You just do it during uh, kids' eighth grade soccer games. Uh, all right, so let's move on to the the actual draft itself. Uh, we talked about the Derek Barnett on Friday. Um, I'd be interested to get your guys' thoughts on Sidney Jones, Russell Douglas, and the rest of the draft. I liked it overall. I liked the strategy. We talked about the Barnett pick already, but can't fault a team for getting a first-round cornerback talent in the first round. That does feel a little hinky-ish, and that is the only thing that feels a little hinky-ish, Marcus Hayes. Um, And then backing him up with another corner in the third round, should that not work out? So I think they addressed their two biggest needs. They focused on the outside on defense. They focused on the inside. And then they spent the later rounds on some offensive players. I'm of the belief that you do not need to build through offensive skill position players. Build from the inside out. Get a solid defense. And then... 
and then you circle back and you add your wide receivers and running backs down the road. Uh, Adam, what are your thoughts? What's your? Do you have a grade for the rest of the draft? Uh, I hate grades. I know my company is based on too. grades, but I can't do it. Um, I'll say this. The Sidney Jones one, it's scary from the point where Achilles injuries are tough to come back from. It's amazing from the point that he could have been going at 14 if he was healthy. That's how good he looked. So I think if if that pays off amazing value, I think we look back at this and we go, wow, Sidney Jones and Derek Barnett, that's actually a pretty nice haul. But we're going to have to wait and see. Rasul Douglas, uh, I think, is... Look, we have a, a lot of these mid to late round corners that we've taken over the last few years that we're still waiting to kind of see where they're going to slot in. Um, I think he fulfills that immediate need, though, like you were saying. Mac Hollins and Donnell Pumphrey excite me from a special teams perspective. Mac Hollins is known as one of the best special teams guys coming out of this draft, and the Eagles have had the number one special teams the last two years. Pumphrey, I think I'm not going to get – overly excited and say he's the next Darren Sproles on offense. But I will say that he could be one of those guys in punt and kick returns, um, which I think we are going to need as Darren Sproles comes to the end. Shelton Gibson, uh, I think, is another wide receiver. I think the thing that I like about Hollins and Gibson at wide receiver, both of their, their both of their traits that got them drafted was the ability to catch the deep ball. And I think last year there was a reason we got so excited after Bryce Treggs for one game was because none of the other wide receivers in this team were able to track a deep ball. Nelson he literally Aguilar called one deep pass, one. And, and we thought he was the savior uh, because yeah. you look at Aguilar, you look at DGB, they just weren't able to track the ball. And both of these guys, that is their elite trait. Um, Nathan Gary, the uh, Nebraska strong safety line, linebacker we'll wait and see but the Elijah Qualls pick in round six that one kind of has a Bo Allen feel to it where you go back then it was oh look another Oregon player for Chip Kelly but it was also just a big dude to add to the D-line and there were not a lot two things this draft really lacked offensive line players and 300 pound plus dudes on the D-line this is one of those guys that I'm just looking at the D-line depth they needed another dude to just throw in there for rotations. Is it five to six snaps? Fine. But he's the kind of guy that adds depth there. But this draft will be defined by two players. Derek Barnett's ability to get to the quarterback and Sidney Jones' ability to get healthy and play in the defensive backfield. I think that when you look at Sidney Jones's tape, he was the number two corner in this draft Um behind Lattimore, the kid that went to New Orleans. But I think this is the guy that, when, when all said and done, I think he will be a better pick than Derek Barnett. So I agree with you. I like the philosophy of it. We'll wait and see how these guys are integrated in. But they're all athletes. They can all run. They all have pretty good speed. So overall, other than my questions about Barnett, I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, I mean, so I think we're all in agreement that the philosophy, the strategy made sense. The Eagles, it was logical. The Eagles focused on areas they need to focus on. But this being Philly, uh, we have to stir up some sort of controversy. Uh, so uh, there's a few few takes on the draft that I want to call attention to. First up, listening to 97.5 yesterday, Joe Torty, uh, I'm not really even sure who that is. 
his entire topic for the show was arguing how this was Jim Schwartz's team and not Carson Carson Wentz's team, despite what everyone in Novacare Complex would have you believe. Uh, he, he's claiming that because the Eagles took three defensive players, because they took a guy like Barnett who sort of fits right into that wide nine system, that Jim Schwartz is really the one running the show, and he questions whether or not the Eagles have a commitment to building around Carson Wentz. Yeah, so. because spending money on Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith and like exactly. offensive players and free agency means that. The only thing I can understand is maybe they, they wanted a different running back but they, they believe that is that in Pumphrey. The only thing that scares me before you get to these points, the rest of the NFC East got, each got a player that I think is going to scare the Eagles for a long time. That's the only thing that scares me. The Giants getting Evan Ingram I think is going to end up being a matchup nightmare and getting Davis Webb in the third round. I'm afraid he will be the guy that replaces Eli. Uh, when you look at Washington, Washington had one of my favorite drafts. They took Jonathan Allen, and that's the thing that's going to scare me because, like I've said, that's the guy I wanted for the Eagles pick. And to get Fabian Moreau in the third round uh, is, a, is a corner that the I would have liked the Eagles to get maybe with their third-round pick, and they go Samaje Ryan, the running back out of Oklahoma. That's, that's three to four guys that I go, wow, that's really good. And the Cowboys getting uh, Taco Charlton, Chidobia Wuzier, Jordan Lewis, Ryan Switzer – that's just four really big name guys where we have to wait for our big name guys. So where so that's Joe Torty trying how he has the Eagles killing off Carson Wentz. Um, <laughs> Mike Sealski writes an article. He's got him killing off Doug Peterson. Wrote his entire this entire column about how Doug Peterson was uh, cast aside the podium, wasn't up there with Howie Roseman and Joe Douglas, and somehow, because they were the guys actually drafting the players, took that as a sign because the Andy Reeds and Bill Belichicks of the world, who, by the way, have been doing this for 30 years and are, and are some of the best coaches in the game, he, Doug doesn't quite have that stature with the Eagles, and he, he's ready to cast Doug aside and say this is his make-or-break season. Um, he points out that the Eagles are saying one thing and doing the other. They're claiming this is a you know win-now sort of team. They, they think Doug, he thinks Doug deserves the weapons to be able to go out and win next year, and yet they're drafting guys for the future. And he, he, like, he makes this point about how they're not giving Doug his weapons, but they went, like, to your point, signed Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith. He's claiming they're one-year deals, but they're really not. Like, this is the misconception about the two wide receiver deals. Torrey Smith has a three-year deal. Yeah, it's more or less a one-year tryout, and it's, it's super low-risk, high-reward for the team. Alshon Jeffrey's a little different. It's a one-year deal. It's a lot of money. But I can't imagine a scenario where Jeffrey comes here, wants to be here, wants to play with a good young quarterback, has success, and I don't want to say resurrects his career because he's been a pretty good player, but he stays healthy and he he solidifies himself as a top seven wide receiver, which is totally possible. He's got the ability to do so. And then he decides to leave after forming a, a bond with Wentz in a situation that looks to be good for him. So I don't really get the fact that these are two like one-year deals and both of these guys are gone and just rent a players. I think they are both these low-risk, high-reward deals where you can see both easily both of these guys could be around for three to four years, and I don't think that's a, that's a stretch. And yet you have Sealski, you know, taking their quote-unquote one-year deals and using it yeah, against my, my question like, for what everybody the Eagles is are this. doing for Doug Peterson. My question for everybody is this. If it came out that the first-round pick was Doug Peterson's guy, Doug Peterson walked to the room and said, this is the guy I want, and he took him. Wouldn't we feel less confident in that pick? That's not what Doug Peterson does. Doug Peterson is not um, Andy Reid. He is not Bill Belichick. He is not these guys that come in. He's a lot more, and I, I'm, 
I, I want to say, look at Seattle. Seattle with Pete Carroll and their GM, uh, they know what they do. And they, they allow each other to live in those world. And that's why that franchise has had success because they completely allow the other person. One does the draft. The other one does the team. They know what they want. Um, it just gets to what you were saying about the Marcus Hayes article. There's these narratives that people are trying to create and it's fine. That's how the meat, that's how the old media works. New media is honesty and figuring out why we're doing things. The old media goes, Hey, this looks like an interesting narrative. I'm going to force feed certain points into this grander scheme. It's bullshit and that's fine. But I think we have listeners that are smart enough to realize it's bullshit. Hayes literally also- had column space. To, it just gets pointed out on Hayes real quick. He literally had column space to fill today and decided that, well, because the Eagles are, are building for the future, Howie Roseman must be Sam Hinkie. Like, they're like completely binary. There's no, there's no other alternative in sports. Either you're going for it or you're not. And because Howie, like, sort of is building for the future, that that means he's Sam Hinkie. And he's like, well, you know, this is something we should applaud them for. Both of these guys deserve credit. This is a guy, no joke, 13 games into this season, he called for Howie Roseman to be fired because he was giving a mandate to win now, and he didn't do it. 13 games into the, into his re-tenure as GM. This is a guy who for years railed on Sam Hinkie for doing exactly what he just lauded him and Howie for doing. Like I, First of all, what the Eagles are doing is, is nothing like what the Sixers are doing. Just because you're building for the future, that is just smart, good team management. It doesn't mean you are tank. The Sixers took on an unprecedented tank to build through the draft through several years. And because... Howie Roseman didn't go out and get a running back who can help the Eagles win now and took a little bit of a flyer on a guy like Sidney Jones, who is admittedly a little bit of a Sixers pick, a little bit risky, but super high upside. Like I don't see any relationship there other than that one single pick in Sidney Jones. Everything else is just good, smart team management, and Marcus Hayes had something to write, and he's got to compare it to how, how they're the Sixers. He called Derek Barnett. He said, does he remind you a little bit of Nerland's Noel? I was like... No, they both just happen to be defensive players. Like that's it. End of story. This is not the Nerlens Noel pick. He didn't. He didn't trade. He didn't trade. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like Jordan Matthews to get De- move yes. up and get Derek Barnett. Like it doesn't make any sense. It um, it's like super. You, I don't think you could be more simplistic than what Marcus Hayes wrote today, comparing uh, the Eagles and Roseman. So I, I don't know. Russ, go ahead. Sorry. All right. Three things. One, Alshon Jeffrey will play in Philadelphia for multiple years as long as he doesn't share the same nutritionist as Lane Johnson Um, the second thing we should kind of lay off Doug Peterson everybody knows that he was probably out in his visor building his niece and her fiance a deck because he's Uncle Doug and uh, the third thing is wow yeah you know um, you know Marcus Hayes is is not exactly the most original guy in the world Uh, I I would definitely say that the Sidney Jones pick is is fine the problem is the mentality of and, – and you know that there are going to be people who are going to agree with Hayes and are probably going to call uh, Sports Talk Radio today and, and just absolutely lose their minds that they drafted a guy that isn't going to play this year. But To be fair, Hayes issue, wasn't bashing the pick. He was actually saying it was a good thing to do. But this after but was, he spent the last three Hanky, years yes. bashing Hanky. But yeah, but go ahead. See, the, the thing is like the idea of, of I think where Eagles fans typically kind of sit is – well, you never know. There's always the chance that you could win the division. There's always the chance that they'll jump over the Giants or over the Cowboys or both, or there could be an injury, and then you make the playoffs, and then you see what happens. But 
you know, the the idea that you can pick up a real talent in the, in the second round, but he might not play this year. Like, whatever, that's fine. And if it turns out that he's this transcendent talent at cornerback and they shut him down for the year and that means that he only goes into restricted free agency in a few years instead of unrestricted free agency, then fine, let it go. We should be thrilled about that. And if it doesn't work out, it's not exactly like the Eagles have this amazing track record of all of their second round picks just being deadlocks uh, to, you know, be uh, long-term starters on the team. The draft is a crapshoot. It's fine. Uh, anyone, any other thoughts on the draft? No, I, I just think the only thing I'll add is, is I'm, I, I think what, what Russia said is smart. Uh, the giants are really good. People of Philadelphia need to be afraid that the giants can make a Super Bowl run next year. Legitimately. Like that's how stacked their team is. So I, I am always someone that likes to wait for the white space. It's part of the reason why I'm so excited about the Sixers. They're perfectly timed to be good when LeBron is getting old. And I really like that because being successful right now, Milwaukee Bucks, is pointless because LeBron's good. And I'm looking at Dallas. I'm looking at the Giants. and I'm going, you know what? If we're good next year, it's it's hard to have patience because every time I watch the draft, there's a reminder that the Eagles haven't won a playoff game in however long. But I also think that we're smart enough to go when you when you have Sidney Jones, the four years in his contract are more important than his rookie year. So uh, I understand building for the future, and I, I don't think it has to either be win now or win in the future. I think it could be a combination of both. I think the Eagles are going to be surprisingly very good next year. And I think all along the way, Jones is going to be there watching and learning. Uh, and if he's able to come in in the second half of the season, if they put him on the PUP and he comes off, great. But in, in Philadelphia, we have this unfortunate dichotomy where you either need to root for the future or root for the present. And, and I'm a kind of person that can go, no, you need to root for the future and the present. But look, it, it's easy for a columnist to simplify it down. I actually think they'll be pretty good next year, too. A shout-out to Jack McCaffrey, uh, who was tweeting his hackery over the weekend to his 600 followers. Uh, he said something to the effect of, well, every, everyone's saying the Eagles need to be patient now. Sure, they're still basking in the glow of their championship 50-some years ago. So there's your uh, – you wonder why you're stuck at the Delco Times for your career. Um, Ooh. Do a couple of quick segments. Uh, we got Jumping the Shark. Uh, mine is the fake Wikipedia edits. I can't tell you how many times throughout the course of the year that I get a screenshot or a link, someone sending me some doctored Wikipedia page that's going to disappear within the next eight to ten minutes because I, I don't seriously I don't know how I don't know how Wikipedia works and how people are always on updating and catching things, but you can't sneak anything by them, even on a relatively unknown athlete's uh, page. But I got pics about Derek Bar. I got uh, screenshots about Derek Barnett, about Sidney Jones, or someone else mixed in there over the weekend too. Um, I don't think these are funny. They're usually written by people who aren't funny, who have poor grammar. They don't last. Like it, for a while there, the Wikipedia edit, I thought, well, okay, you know, kind of cool. If you could uh, kind of sneak it under the radar and have it actually live on this person's page. But, you know, someone who puts something like, oh, so-and-so sucks cock in their bio, and then it disappears five minutes later. It's not funny. It's uninventive. Uh, that's my jumping the shark. Stop editing other people's Wikipedia pages. It's Go for funny. it, Russ. Who you got, Russ? I, uh... I had to go with at the NFL draft, um, the pick that was made by the orangutan because, you know, the draft is a zoo. So why not go to a zoo for the zoo to make a pick? And it was really funny to me because Mike Mayock on the NFL network uh, threatened to walk off the stage if they kept going back to this orangutan. So um, I'm looking very much forward to uh, WrestleMania next year. 
when the orangutan enters the squared circle against NFL's uh, NFL Network's own Mike Mayock. I have a lead up to Pearson Dawkins. Oh, I love that. Uh, Dude, Dawkins was so fired up. That man is that man's my savior. I I got a few quick ones. Jumping the shark one Dallas talking about their five championships. We get it. Uh, It's been a while, too. So you can keep rubbing in your face. But a lot of them were a long time ago. You saw the video of the guy kicking the field goal. And that was his excuse. Oh, we got five. Shut the fuck up. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals drafting every law breaking human alive. Uh, We understand (laughs) you guys want to be the longest yard but it's getting a little old. Uh, any highlight of someone throwing something and then going, the Browns are going to draft that person in the court in the, and in the draft next year. You're like, okay, like come up with something different. And my last one is Goodell's yearly declaration that weed is addictive and unhealthy. And he just, meanwhile, he has a painkiller epidemic in the NFL that is like, causing all of his players to get addicted and lose all of their money. And yet he's focusing on marijuana. It's just every single year I, I laugh and go, you're so hypocritical and you're so out of touch. Those are my things that have officially jumped the shark this week. I got the very poorly named up next. Got to get that content. The thing in sports media that is being, uh, I don't even know how to describe this being used more and more often. Uh, either we like it or we hate it. Terrible, terrible way to intro that. Uh, mine, mine is the draft day. The draft day phone call. These team edited, sort of highly produced videos of the nerdy front office execs, their spouse. For some reason, the spouses are always in the room, like hugging their husbands. Congratulations on making your your very obvious first round pick. Um, all those guys on the phone with the prospect. Usually, the cell signal's not great. They're all talent. They're all glad handing. I think the uh, the Carson Wentz call last year was like the ultimate in in awkwardness. By the way, the Eagles didn't release a video this year of them calling Barnett that I have seen, so I kind of missed that. Uh, but that's my got to put out content. Uh, the showing the draft day phone call. Uh, got to have that content. Uh, I would say mine right now is it's a playoff of your jumping the shark, Kyle. You're over Wikipedia. We have our new Wikipedia, and that is old tweets from NFL players in the draft. It is a thing, and it is awesome. You got Mitchell Trubisky saying he likes to kiss boobies. Uh, last year we had with Wendell Smallwood, and he was calling out uh, Philadelphia for being bitches. Uh, I think it's amazing because it's an aspect of Twitter, which means Wikipedia takes no effort. You hit edit, you write, and you post. There are people that are going through five years of tweets to find those awkward moments for right when they get drafted to just put out that fire content. I appreciate their hard work. It scares me every year that someone's going to go into my Twitter and find some old things (laughs) about my comments, but I really enjoy it because now Mitchell Trubisky has to answer about kissing boobs for the next year or two. It's great. Those people are shockingly, shockingly efficient at what they do. Too. Unbelievable! It's like within efficient. six minutes of someone becoming becoming a thing, they ha- they have gone back one thousand forty two days. Haven't Russ- you guys ever used the ar- the archive? Uh, there, there's actually a website. There's a an archive tweet thing that you can search by by keywords. So I, oh, so I they were. So that, that means yeah, that yeah, someone so, typed in Trubisky boobies. Yeah, like if nice. yeah, exactly. Like if I wanted to type in like Lefko cowboy fan. Um, I could I could probably do that, and as long as there's one that, you know, you profess your Dallas fandom, yeah, I, I'd be able to 
pull that fast, but uh, as a blogger, I'm you're super not, dismayed. I'm, I didn't know about this, the existence of this. Is yeah, this is different than the Twitter search itself? Yeah, yeah, it is. Wow, it's, uh, it's actually it's actually pretty. Yeah, it is a game changer. So, because I kept wondering how people were pulling tweets from like 2010 um, so quickly. Like, do you actually have a file stored on your computer that you can go oh, back definitely. to? But yeah, that that's it. I'll disagree I, with Adam. Like, I, I do think that is still more impressive and a lot a lot more uh, damning of a of a piece of evidence on someone than than changing their wiki page. I have one more thing that is still a thing, and I'm excited for it to stop being a thing next year, which is the amount of players the Cleveland Browns are getting for Carson Wentz. Here is the current list of players that the Browns have taken because of the Carson Wentz trade. Now, they've taken picks, moved back, and got more players. Corey Coleman, Sean Coleman, Deshaun Kaiser, Cody Kessler, Derek Kindred, Spencer Drango, Ricardo Lewis, Jordan Payton, Jabril Peppers. They still have the Texans' first-round pick next year, which came from an Eagles pick, and the Eagles' second-round pick next year. So really, you have to root against Jabril Peppers and Deshaun Kaiser. And as long as those two dudes don't really become anything, we killed them in the draft, which proves yet again, you go and you get the guy, and we always celebrate the team that gets the six picks, but they never use the picks well. So, root against Kaiser, root against Jabril Peppers. This pick is looking good as always. Unless you're the Quebec Nordiques and you wind up with Peter Forsberg out of the deal. Yeah, or the uh, Minnesota Vikings to the Cowboys for, uh, what the fuck was his name? They're running back and they got Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, and Rod Woodson and all those guys, or Charles Woodson. Man. I forget what his name was. What the hell was his name? He played for the Eagles, too. Uh, I'm blanking. All right, you keep talking. I'm looking. All right. All right, well, eventually we'll figure out a way to get to questions. One other thing I really enjoy is the uh, is the shot of the, the war room shot. I don't know what it – why is Herschel it that the Cowboys – Herschel Walker, thank you. Why is it that the Cowboys brass all sit facing the same direction on one side of the table? Like they're, because like they're, they're the, the only ones situation. that understand. They're the only ones that understand that this is going on TV, and so <laughs> Jerry Jones is smart enough to go. Let's get everybody FaceTime. Instead, I'm looking at the back of Ted Thompson's sweaty back <laughs> in Green Bay, or I'm seeing John Lynch like rubbing his head, and it's like dandruff coming off. Jerry Jones is the only one that goes. This is on TV. Let's set this up like a set. I like I liked when they went to the Browns war room and they like they take the metaphor way too far. They have brown chairs. It looks like an eighties an eighties yeah. office. They have like two temporary tables, a, a guy's wife eating cookies, and like these empty brown chairs. So yeah, all right, I'm with you. Credit to the Cowboys for uh, for at least understanding the entertainment value and all of it. Um, and by the way, I'm done seeing that shot of them laughing after Drew Pearson. Drew Pearson thing yeah. cool. The awkward shot of Jerry Jones and and Garrett standing there smirking not cool. Um, we will eventually figure out a way to get questions in here. Uh, we want to keep this to around 45 minutes. So we have a bunch we've taken. Uh, we'll maybe let's start, start let's start Wednesday's show. show with some questions. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. That'll make the right. better yet. That tweeted at a, at Kyle last night about why do you ask for questions? If you never get to questions, yes. I, I, I saw you, Kyle, saw better you. yet. Let's progress. do, this. Let, let's do yeah. this. No, don't just tweet us stuff in your five star review. Leave a question, and those will be the questions that we will read starting Wednesday. So tweet all you want. We're not going to read them, but if you leave a five-star review with a question, we will lead the show with that on Wednesday. Whatever you want, we will answer it if you leave a five-star review. I like that. That is cutting-edge new media right there, ladies and gentlemen. That's a sound. 
<laughs> That's our show. Thanks for listening. Uh, again, as Adam just said, we welcome comments and feedback. Leave us those five-star reviews. It does help with the rankings. And uh, we'll see you on Wednesday. I'd be chatting on the interweb. Maggots prey upon the living dead. I had no interest in the things she said. On the phone.